the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents. Take a seat and buckle up, folks, because Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn are here to violate your ear holes with more indie wrestling, pop culture, and pee-pee humor than you could possibly mentally or emotionally prepare for. You're here for reviews, interviews, nonsense, and more nonsense. It's the IndieCast! <laughs> Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. I am one half of your hosting team here, Zach Romero. Joining me is one Chad Allen, and a very, very special guest we have uh, tonight. Someone that we've crossed paths with quite a few times. Yes, we have. Someone who finally we're working on some merchandise for. It's about damn time. Some really time. cool merchandise, too, by the way. I, and, I will put that over on and on uh, Someone who's always been good to us, and this Saturday... Will be fighting for the sentient internet title, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The authority, Eddie Torres. Eddie, thanks for joining us. Glad to be on. Glad to be on. Yeah, the, the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network Internet Title. I like. Right. The, I love the full title version yes. of that one. Yep, he will be going after, going up against. We'll, we'll quickly put that over, and we'll talk about it later. Uh, going up against the absolute worst, uh, Drennan. Which side note, uh, kudos to Eddie. First time appearance at a Punk Pro show and was a champion of the people in that battle royal. Yeah, Gaje was. <laughs> uh, only to have it snatched away. But nevertheless, let's let's start off how we normally start these things. Of course. Eddie, we have a little segment here at the beginning we like to call the lightning round. And what that means is we're going to cut through as many of the boring, stereotypical podcast questions that waste everyone's time. And by that I mean maybe one or two. And then we're going to get into real weird questions. Right. So just answer them however you like. So, Chad, please, the first question. Number one. Uh, Eddie, when, uh, who trained you and when did you debut? Uh, debuted in October of 2001 um, in a little promotion in Zephyr Hills called NSW. Uh, my trainer originally was uh, Frenchie Martin, Paris Martel. He was the uh, manager, famous manager with the monocle of Dino Bravo. Yes, he and, was. Uh, yes. And um, after that, like the prior little bit of time I spent with him, uh, I officially got more training from the infamous Steve Kern at the uh, House of Heart, the House of uh, House of Kerns, basically. Like that's where I really got my knowledge from. So you could say two trainers, two very interesting. Yeah, because like I was gonna say, I wish you could have seen the look on Chad's face when you were just dropping all these uh, factoids of his uh, his amount of uh, shock, awe, and. Admiration, Admir- yeah, definitely admiration because Frenchie Frenchie Martin, the, though you know, like you said, was mostly known as a manager in WWF at the time of Dino Bravo in like the French Canadian area up in Canada. He was he was a name for quite a while in the days, and then obviously Steve Kern, who uh, you know was running FCW for the longest time, and was uh, uh, a lot of the '90s kids will remember him as Skinner. I remember him as one of the fabulous ones from way back in the day. Because I'm friggin' old, um, <laughs> so that's you know, that's some, that's some good names to to have on your uh, to have as your trainer there. So, Frenchie was someone I met actually. Uh, I'm actually funny, real quick. A uh, friend of mine's I went to grow up with, knowing was a good was his son, and um, when I moved to Tampa. Um, and we became friends and throughout that time he told me, Hey, my father's a wrestler. I'm like, Oh, and then he mentioned Frenchie Martin. 
Consider the fact this man's been around for many years. Went against Ric Flair. I mean, I can't tell you. That's another time for another day. Lots of stories. But I got some old school knowledge from him, how to work and things like that. But most of my real in-ring training and my tutelage came from Steve Kern. Good deal. Now, sort of piggybacking off of this. So, you know, obviously the training sort of forms you as a wrestler. But as a wrestling fan, what is your earliest wrestling memory? Um, my earliest wrestling memory, I will honestly say, was watching um, the very first Survivor Series. Not very first Survivor Series, but the Survivor Series. You would say probably when uh, when Taker, when Taker first. Uh, that I remember officially that I wanted to be a wrestler. Um, like prior to that, you selectively watch wrestling here and there, but. Uh, I fortunately had an uncle who was a, uh, as we like to call a fanatic and he came and got a pay-per-view and it was Survivor Series. I remember the date and, um, it was the same pay-per-view that Taker, you know, debuted it. And that day forward was basically what got me into it. I remember primarily Bret Hart also was the uh, leader of one of the teams. And I was a huge Bret Hart fan, which I don't think a lot of people say that anymore, but I, I am still a very big Bret Hart fan. But, um, yeah, that's probably the very clearest, earliest memory I have of, you know, being a fan. Excellent. Yeah, Bret Hart was uh, on the team that opposed The Undertaker that night, if I remember correctly. A summer uh, uh, Survivor Series 91? I, I say that with a question mark. I'll say 91, I believe, is, is the year that Undertaker debuted. Yeah. yeah, and that's what yeah, Survivor Series 91 where he debuted. Because it was Dusty Rhodes. That eliminated him. Uh, yeah. Well, because they fought on the outside, and then right. suddenly there was a count out. And right. So that's how they... But it was Dusty, uh, uh, the Heart, Heart Foundation, and Coco Beware right. against Ted DiBiase, The Undertaker, and Rhythm and Blues. That was the other tag team on that side. The Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine with that horrible black tie job. Talk about talk about a collage of talent, huh? Right, oh, you're yeah. kidding. The, clearly, the best of the best on both on both sides. Actually, Very cohesive. The saddest part is I remember this. We uh, uh, one of the other shows we do on this network is called The Golden Guys, and we actually reviewed that show not that long ago, right around Ooh. Survivor Series time. Uh, and it's actually it's a lot of it's a fun show to watch, but it's also a very sad show because literally like the first match that they opened with of like eight wrestlers. Six of them are dead, including the referee. The referee was also oh, passed. Boy. It was like, Jesus, this life this is very Yeesh. sad. So. Uh, speaking of very sad, yes. uh, next nice question segue. in the lightning round here. Now, Eddie, uh, you are by far one of the toughest wrestlers in Florida, if not professional wrestling at if, large. And if anybody says any different, he'll, he'll hurt you. Right. <laughs> so the question is, what was the last movie that made you cry? Cry. Ooh, yes. the shit. <laughs> oh, cry. The last movie that make me cry. Oh, man. I got kids, guys. That's a bad, that's a bad thing. Um, I want to say the last... <laughs> I'm going to be very honest, because I said I'll be honest. Uh, the last movie that made me cry was... Um, oh, um, Jesus. I'm trying to think of the name... Uh oh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, it's a kitty movie. It's a cartoon movie. But uh, I was watching. Um, I want to say Finding Dory. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want to say Finding Dory. I want to say Finding Dory. Yes. I'll say Chad nodding knowingly. Like 
Yeah. Not the last Family movie that man. made me cry, but I definitely do remember tearing up a little bit in that one, so I can I can believe it. Yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, it's one of those, like, finding, you know, family-orientated movies. You sit there, you're so into it when you don't want to be into it, and, like, you catch yourself, and, like, yeah, call myself. So. That's fair. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that's definitely, like, part of it is, like, you know, yeah. by design. Is It's yeah. like, okay, it's bright colors for children, and also, like... Oh, really? Make you question, like, how are you as good a parent as you want to be? Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. like, yeah that's that's how those movies are made. Yeah, it starts really dissecting who you are. It's like next day you start giving your kids all the sugars and take them out to all these places. <laughs> Come on, kids, let's go. To, let's go to Disney. No, and then like two days later, you go right back to as business as usual. <laughs> so. Uh, okay, Eddie, I will, I will ask my, uh, I believe the Shelly Allen memorial question yes. since Shelly's not on today. Uh, Marvel or DC and why? Oh, man. Um, I want to say currently, or are we just talking about overall? That's a good, that's a that's good, good question. question. Um, let's, you're, asking, you're asking a comic book fanatic here, so you got to be a little more like... Um, I'll go. I'll go. Ahead, I'll, I'll go current. I'll go current. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Another question. I know. Keep asking. Comic book related or movie related? That's the question. That's the big question. A lot of our a lot of our guests go movie because that's I think an easier question to right. answer. However, in um, your case, because of your enjoyment and love of comic books, I feel uh, like you could answer both. Yes. Movie. I would say Marvel. Okay. Um. They just have so much more premise, you know, a lot more work. They just, just better direction. Comic book wise, I want to say DC. Okay. Um, yeah, DC has just to me the better writers. I'm a huge Geoff Jones, Johns fan, so mm. him had a lot, you know, running DC basically to me is just magic. I was so, Eddie's not kidding, by the way. Jeff started as let me put together the Flash and make this make sense again. And then that led yeah. to let me put together Green Lantern and make that make sense again. And then you yeah, jump, you jump a couple years, well. and now it's I'll just make the comic books make sense. I'll right. just that's my job now. Now yeah. here, here's the, here's the big one A question when it oh, comes boy. to the Marvel DC. Since you picked DC, other than Batman, oh, good good clarification. Who who is your favorite DC character? My favorite DC my favorite is Black Adam. Oh, oh, very nice. Okay. Oh, so I could. I didn't even need to yeah. take Batman out of it. He, that's he, how you know he's a real fan. Yeah. If he had said Batman or Wolverine for Marvel, that's how you know it's a fake, right? No, yeah, yo, no, no. I, I'm, I'm a fan of like uh, Black Adam. By far, is the epitome of good and bad. He's a villain, but an anti-villain. He's like just a powerful like Punisher to me. Just the whole storyline and mythology of it all. I like him the most. Now I'll be honest. I thought that question was going to trip Eddie up a little bit because that's a that's a lot of of content to go over and right. talk about. So I'm hoping that this question stumps him. <laughs> Our final lightning round question: In your opinion, what is Sylvester Stallone's greatest performance? <laughs> greatest performance. Oh, man. And why is it Cobra? <laughs> why is it Stop or My Mom Will Shoot? You know what? It's my, I think my, my favorite, his, his best performance is Oscar. Okay. okay. Oscar, you know why? Because he tried to be comedic. And I think that takes balls. Okay. <laughs> so, 
I take yes, Oscar. I'm going to say Oscar. People won't think that. They'll say Rocky, Rocky Two, Rambo. No, we all know those are great. So, which side question? One thing I've always wanted to ask Eddie: What is your favorite um, Rocky movie in the series? Oh my god, um, my favorite Rocky movie of the whole series. I want to say, well, the first one I ever watched, obviously being my favorite, will be Rocky Four. Excellent. Yes, Rocky Four was the first movie I watched when it first premiered. I remember seeing the poster and I was just enthralled by these two epic. I was like, "Who are these guys?" And I was a kid then when I'm like, finally got to convince my mother to make me watch it. Tom Larry was like, you know, a regular movie, and we watched it. She was bored to death, but I enjoyed every bit of it. <laughs> By the way, interesting. You mentioned Stopper. My mom will shoot. Do you know the, like the backstory of why he accepted? I that do movie? know the backstory of that. that Eddie, uh... do you know the backstory of this? What you got me there? I don't know. Okay, so so the the script for this really bad comedy with Estelle Getty right. uh, uh, is making the rounds, and this was right at the height of Stallone and Schwarzenegger kind of having this like friendly rivalry in terms of action films. So uh, Schwarzenegger had like paid some people in Hollywood to spread the rumor that he was super excited about Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and that he was going to take the role and this was going to be like this huge comedic like jump for him. So Stallone came in, he bought into the rumor, came in at the last second and was like, I'll do it for half, I'll do it for cheap. And so they were like, okay, great, they got him. And Schwarzenegger had absolutely zero interest in doing the film because he thought it was a complete like just – Stinkburger, and so Stallone got stuck doing it, basically. And I want to say, at the same time, I want to say that was, like, kindergarten cop time for, like, Schwarzenegger. Possibly, like, yeah. So he, like, really made the better choice. Right. And totally oh, sabotaged yeah, Stallone. Like, kindergarten cop was really good. <laughs> it's like, oh, my, that's great. That's great. That's, that's a rip. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a rip. That's, that's, like, somebody on, like, a mutual friend, like, uh, a sideshow, like, hey, Come take this booking. It's going to be great and it's horrible. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so that ends the lightning round. So, uh, Now, speaking of, we yes. talked about the early, early days of, of Eddie and, and training. But speaking of Sideshow, I mean, I think to a certain degree, you kind of came into your own and sort of cut your teeth a little bit in the, like, Bourbon Street early ACW days. Um so walk us through that a little bit, because ACW in its current form is sort of a spiritual sequel, but it's not exactly the same as what you were really kind of coming up in. So walk us through, like, the Bourbon Street days. The Bourbon Street days? Well, yeah, that's ACW. When I first came in, it was, like, 2005. Um, ACW already had a couple of shows. They were doing one shots, like, one show a month um, prior to then, uh, prior to becoming weekly. Um at that time, um, um, if you guys want to hear a funny story, yeah. I'll give you a good. I'll, I'll give you a nice little Ralph Mosca ish introduction to me coming into ACW. If you want to hear it real quick, of I've never told I've never told the story live or anywhere besides like in locker rooms and stuff. So uh, prior to that, um, I was kind of like not really doing a lot of shows at 2004. Um, so I want to get back in the swing of things. I uh, got contacted from a good friend of mine, James Legend. He was part of ACW at the time. The owners were Dave Dakota, Dave Kokotis, who runs CocoSports.com, and um, Ralph Mosca. And James Legend was basically working with them. Um, James and I knew each other from 2001. I've known him that long. And um, they kept telling me, hey, we got this guy, Eddie, come in. He wants to bring him in. 
I no showed the first two shows. <laughs> I just <laughs> big time. I no showed. Yeah, well, I I just wasn't really like wasn't sure if I wanted to be back in the wrestling business. It was kind of like a slow period. I was wrestling once every blue moon. Um, anyways, I get a call. This guy named Ralph Mosca. I met him once or twice in FIP in their early days, and he's my best Ralph Mosca voice. Uh, is this Eddie? I'm like, yeah. This is Ralph Mosca. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I said, well, listen, listen. I, everyone's talking about you. I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't. Um, everyone keeps putting you over. Um, come this Tuesday or to lose my number. Don't ever show up. Don't ever show up. Don't ever do anything. Bye. Hung up on me. Just hangs up. <laughs> that, that totally, he's like, he, I mean, I didn't curse, but he put curse words in it, obviously. And he's like, you know what? I'm like, ooh, guess what? I showed up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's a, that's a sales pitch. Wrestled the very worst match probably in my early career, my time. Um, yeah, so uh, that being said, the forefronters were David Mercury and myself, uh, Sideshow. Um, of course, Damon Angel was there. Um, those who are currently still involved with ACW. Those Bourbon Street days, probably, I want to say, we always call it the golden days. Um, Nani Rock was involved. Um, as far as you're running your own shows there after ours. So we would literally jam pack that whole place, like two, three, 300 people, like on a Tuesday night. That's not even a fabrication. And, um, so of course being young and in the business and seeing 300 people and it's a literally a rated, almost a rated X show. Uh, you could do anything you want. It was just balls to the wall, kind of like anything goes. Here we go. ACW wrestling in your face. What was the what was the most dangerous thing you remember seeing during that time? Because I imagine you know when it's definitely balls to the wall from the get go, then sort of the as a as a group as a roster, then it becomes sort of chasing the bigger spot and the bigger moment and the bigger oh my god and the bigger holy shit. Like what was the most like you were like Ooh, we're gonna have to pull this back a little bit. And by the way, I'm gonna throw a bet out here right now before we even start that story. I feel like this is gonna start with so sideshow. And then okay, I'll take you up on that bet. My <laughs> bet is it's going to start with so Mosca. That's my bet. Okay. So I'll take that money. Okay. Uh, so James Legend. No. Did oh! <laughs> explain so much now. Uh, that would be great, right? Uh, no, no, no. Actually, um, there was so. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. A lot of drinking was involved weekly. Um, <laughs> Lots of it <laughs> uh, before matches, in matches, after matches. Um, but uh, majority of the time, I mean, it's, I want to say, <sighs> Mosca did a, um, I'm leading with Mosca. I remember this. Mosca did this uh, this hardcore match with a guy named John Diamond at the time. Um, he was another, uh, basically someone who was a forefronter. Um, he wrestled ECW. Um but a good friend of his. They had this bloodied match. I mean, these guys were just gigging. I mean, they weren't even gigging. They were cutting each other open. You know, it, it wasn't even, they were literally cutting each other open. And uh, all I remember, I'm looking out and I'm looking through the current, just watching this, seeing that I, I don't know if I want to be involved in this. You know what I mean? Like, I think I signed up for this. And um, he comes to the back, bloody to the, I'm talking about, you should have called paramedics. And the first thing he says is, give me a beer. I'm ready to go. Let's, go. let's go drink. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to be doing. This is ACW. <laughs> well, to be fair, in, in Eddie's defense, if you look through a curtain and a snuff film is happening, right. I doubt you want to be like, no, let me see what this is all about. Let me join yeah. forces with this. 
No, no. I mean, it, it was it, it was just it was one of those things. Like sideshow was very much up there with the crazy stuff. I mean, more than you've ever imagined. I mean, I think there's so much footage that's not out there that people need to watch, which I would love for one day to be out there to be released. But um, or maybe not. Some people may not think. But um, I'll say we'll wait till the statute of limitations is over, and then we can really make like a nice thing out of it. Oh my God, do I want uh, to get a hold of some of that? And I wonder, like, if there's commentary on that or oh, not. Oh, we can do commentary for that. You and me doing commentary over old school <laughs> ACW, ACW stuff. Yeah, would be pretty we can make awesome. that dream happen. We'll start making some phone calls. Like a mystery science theater. Also, that's a possibility. Yeah. You've heard our commentary when Zach that's and I came true. out. That's true. That's true. Not that far off. So, <laughs> so, uh, so speaking of of James Legend, yes. that's a former guest of the IndyCast. Yes, uh, and friend, friend of, and definitely hashtag friend of the IndyCast. Yes, um, we actually chatted with uh, James a little bit prior to this inv- uh, this interview, and so um, <laughs> kind of jumping off that. Eddie, I do have a couple of uh, some questions that he had recommended. James Legend threw you under the bus here. Yeah, for for, for, all, for all the dozens and dozens listening, um, can you tell us the backstory and legend of uh, Ratchet Man? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. He led with that one. All right. <laughs> all right. So, 2001... Uh, I decided I used to wear this tank top with like track pants, very cliche of that time frame. Uh, and I had thought of this cool idea of wearing like this nice symbol that would have like a T in front of it, like a T and it was sewn in. Thank, you know, thank God for my grandmother and her sewing skills (laughs) and, uh, sewn in on the tank top. That being said, um, the way that the T looked, it didn't look exactly like a T. It looked like a ratchet. And um, so I go out there and I'm working the match, and then all of a sudden they look at me like, hey, uh, you know, you're, it looks like a, a ratchet. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a T, it's a T, it's crooked, it's, it's cool, it's cool. Now, from that moment on, him, Aaron Epic, so many other people, Ratchet Man just lived on. He just became his own person. He just did. Can we get so, a can we get a vintage show put together and you come out as Ratchet Man and you wrestle out <laughs> like that? Oh, that's, uh, we're gonna have to discuss that. I don't know that's how oh, we're that's gonna fair. discuss that. Go back, go back show. I like it. I might how do we, it. How do we book a Bourbon Street reunion show? That oh might, God, that might be something there. You might. But have... everybody has to work their old gimmicks. They have oh, to God, all yeah. be their previous era <laughs> selves. Well, that's there you go. Now everybody's gonna think I was called Ratchet Man. And it's like, well, it was, it was worse because I didn't call myself Eddie Torres. I was, I thought I was like Sting or something. I just called myself Torres. Okay. So, all right, we can do that. I like that. So, uh, so Zach Romero, this this just in. We we do have another one from from one Mr. Legend. Yes, I, I see. We've got a sequel question here, um, Eddie. If you would uh, regale our listeners. Can you walk us through the epic saga of when you lost your keys in your own muffler? Is he messaging? Like, is he messaging you? Is he hearing we, this we, or we, something? We can't. I mean, we can't reveal our contacts or our sources. We can't. That's that's we, very private. We can't reveal that. that we're journalists. May, we're journalists. Have been messaged us. Well, I, I sign up for this. <laughs> so um, no, but uh, all right. So yeah. So the the. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. I um, so I had the bright idea of thinking, okay, every time I come to the shows, 
Uh, you know, I didn't know what to do with my keys. I had a problem losing my keys a lot. Like, honestly, losing my keys. So I thought, hey, have a nice car. Rather than be a smart guy, give it to a friend or something. My, uh, the brilliance of myself at the time thought, I'll put my keys inside the brim of my muffler. Uh, like, literally, like, in, like, right there at the edge of it. Well, when I went to Fulishi go get it, I pushed it all the way inside the muffler. Oh, my nice. God. I, 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 this is a Friday night show after the show about 11, 11.30. So, of course, all the boys are laughing. We're trying to, like, find ways we could get in there. I had to call my mother to bring me the spare. So she had to drive from Tampa to Zephyr Hills, which is about 45 minutes, at about 12 o'clock at night just to see a bunch of guys laughing at my, my expense. So, yeah. Nobody had a coat hanger. Nobody had something to right. go like reach in and try we to. Tried, pull. We tried everything. I mean, I, I mean, I was, I mean, I was, I was close to finding someone who had magneto skills. I don't care. Someone get it out. I didn't want to call my mother. I did. So <laughs> I just that's the moral of the story. Don't ever have to call your mother. Right. That's so. Uh, I'm not gonna call my mother because I left my keys in my muffler. Right. At a wrestling show. Yeah. No. Uh, now, Eddie, the, the place that I got to, to know about you here, especially when the time I moved in the state of Florida, uh, is the tag team state line. Oh, that's right. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I am I am very interested to hear kind of the history of the forming of state line. And then I have a specific incident that I have to that's ask true. about. That's true. A walk down memory state lane line. again. So uh, but if you could uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, got you and Damien Angel together as the team of state line. Um, you see, me and Damien, excuse me, we met up at, uh, he was tr- just finishing training at um, Steve Kearns. We met at Kearns. Uh, it's about 2000, I'll say 03 or 04. Um, it kind of time goes, they blur together nowadays. But um, we were actually rivals. Like, we wrestled his early days, wrestling against each other. A couple of these shows in Tampa, different spots in the area locally. Um, when we... When I came back, when I came into ACW, he was already involved with ACW at the time, uh, heavily. And um, so we had ping pong an idea of like, man, it'd be good if we tagged up. We trained well together. We had a good premise. We're both from up north. He's from Bronx, New York. I'm from North New Jersey. Uh, we both kind of grew up in similar, like, you know, kind of areas and the projects, stuff like that. So uh, we thought, okay, you know, we have an, I have an idea. Why don't we just kind of put those together? Um, so <laughs> we thought, okay, well, what name can we use? He said, well, what splits us? Well, you're from New York, I'm from New Jersey. The only thing that separates us is state line. It's mm-hmm. only different, basically. So, but uh, yeah, so, but no one thought that it was state line meant state line. Everyone always assumed it was, uh, you know, borderline or something like that. So it was not easy to put that over, you know, since we we're two Hispanics trying to put over a name called state line. So. <laughs> Now, so I was gonna say let's let's walk him down memory lane yes. here. So uh, and th- and this might be one of my favorite bits because I remember um, we'll we'll go back a little bit. So uh, the team of Flying Solo, which was Jason Cade and Aaron Solo, Aaron Solo, uh, I believe had just won the ACW tag title. You're you're bringing up details I don't recall confidently. That's okay. Uh, they were in the uh, title run, if not well, champions at the they, time. Well, right after they won the titles, they were brutally attacked by state line yes um like just beating the crap out of and that ultimately turned into kind of the the bit that i like that i definitely remember the most was you guys got into a brawl uh that spilled outside of the all sports arena and and this was back in 2015 because right. i just looked it up on youtube and uh state line definitely hit 
the members of Flying Solo. With a car. With a car. With a van, I think. With a van, yes. So, tell us a little bit about hitting Jason Cage. A, do you remember that? And B, like, do you, does does any of that ring a bell? How could you forget hitting Flying Solo with a a van? Especially when it was my van. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, as far as, like, the setup for that? Or, I mean, like, it has all went down? Well, A, I, I vaguely remember, did somebody crack your windshield? Yeah, basically we we brawled it out. We were in this this feud. We just re- came back to ACW. Uh, now that it was under WBN. Um, so uh, that being said, we were doing basically invading, taking our territory back, originals. Um, so we had spilt out from the All Sports Arena outside, literally beating the hell out of each other. And um, so. While Jason K was down, I jumped in my car and I ran into him. Um, lucky enough, he his hand or his arm hit my windshield, cracked it. <laughs> so, got um, so, uh, so the whole the whole like veil of wrestling being fake was was not true that day because I mean he cracked my windshield, messed up his arm, and uh, that was it. He got hit by my car. <laughs> okay, so what's what's the more uncomfortable explanation to family members involving cars. My keys are stuck in the muffler or I hit a grown man and there's a crack in the windshield. Uh, I think for me, uh, I think um, my keys are in the muffler is a lot more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thoroughly that answer. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm okay with that. So, like you said, you started in 2001 and your path has kind of zigzagged back to ACW over the years. And so now you, you take, you take on somewhat more of a, um, of a teaching role a little bit, I would say in the ACW locker room, um, in terms of, you know, uh, to anybody who doesn't know, Eddie's a great, uh, agent in terms of like, he's always got a good viewpoint for matches, not to bombard him with, like, young wrestlers. Eddie, if you get a bunch of shit in your inbox of, like, hey, I just started, can you watch us? Sorry, I apologize. But uh, Eddie's got a great eye for wrestling and a great um, mind for it. So, Eddie, now in this kind of different role that you're playing in ACW, A, did you ever think that was going to happen? Like, when you're seeing, you know, Ralph Mosca do, uh, you know, Gigi Allen performance art on himself in the middle of uh, Bourbon Street, did you ever think, like, one day I'll be sharing my knowledge with the generation coming up after me? By the way, for those of you playing the IndyCast drinking game at home, take a drink for a Gigi <laughs> Allen reference. <laughs> Holy glad crap. I, glad I impressed you with that. You anyway, um, so, yeah, so, so talk, let's talk a little bit about your role now. That not only are you, I would say, one of the best in Florida, not just blowing smoke, but also that you're in more of a teaching kind of role or at least a mentorship sort of role. Um, how does that, what, how does that affect you mentally? Like what, A, did you think you'd ever get to this point? And B, like, you know, what are you seeing nowadays? What, what goes through your mind? Well, I mean, I think over the years, um, from one to now, I've noticed when I started up, um, it was definitely a big boys locker room. You know, it wasn't easy to get in. Like now it's business has transformed and steady transformed over and over. It's like been ridiculous since 01 to now. Um, but the one thing I've always noticed 
was there wasn't a lot of guys that were willing to a lot of veterans a lot of experience uh people even traveled the world with the world and done a lot of things never were sharing their knowledge it was hard to get that i'm not saying that there weren't people like that it was just hard to get that because it was always about like you had to earn the respect like you literally had to go out your way to earn your respect uh their respect and be one of the boys and do this and that to kind of like get any type of like push or any type of you know, acknowledgement or any, even then usually it used to be typically, Hey, you watch my match. And they'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw. And then I, I had a game like, Hey, uh, did you see my match? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I saw what I did off the top. I did a hurricane off the top. He said, yeah, it was great. I'll go over there. Like, I said, yeah, I never did that. I don't know what he's, what he's watching. Like I've never did it. <laughs> it's a good test. Was, and I, 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 all the time. That was my trick for a while. Like, Oh, did you watch it? Oh, it was cool. It was fantastic. I hated that. I, I'd rather be brutally honest. I'd rather you tell me straight as a man, as a person, as an athlete, prior to wrestling, I've always was told straight. I've had the best coaches. I had the hardest coaches. Um, and coaches, I had coaches were my uncles and family members that, you know, in every sport were like on me. And so my mentality was, I'd rather you tell me straight. I'm a man. I got my big boy pants. So as time went by and as I fought hard to earn everything that I've ever learned, it's some guys I can see it's different, it's easier, it's more fluid to kind of get information with social media and everything. But what still I think is still important is that it doesn't it doesn't take a lot for someone to say, hey, can you watch my match? Hey, can you have any insight or you know or you know whatever else needed to to get better? Um, as time went by, I wanted to see any locker room part of if ACW being the one we're speaking of. Anybody in the locker room, I want every match to be the best match of the night. I believe every match should be match of the night. Every match. You should aim for that. That should be your goal. I mean, because if every match is, you know, five-star, the whole show is five-star. Promoters happy. It's happy. Fans are even happier. But even the talent that could go in the locker room and hold their head high and pat each other on the shoulder and say, we did a great job as a team, as a family, as a, as a brotherhood, or sisterhood, you know, all together, brothers, sisters, men and women all together. Um... So me helping, uh, if it be refs, anybody, um, you know, young guys, veterans, anybody. Cause I, I ask my veterans, I ask those who know more than I do. But I even, I'm not that, that um, how you call that, that above it all um, to say, hey, so a young guy, hey, did you watch my match? What you thought? And they'll tell me their view. You know, guys who've been five years in the business because you, I want a fresh perspective. So by using that, I combine all that together and everything I've learned and critique and give advice and try to, you know, pay it forward. So I'm, I'm very interested, actually, now that, you know, because obviously you are paying it forward. You, you, you know, you are willing to, to shoot straight with some of these people. I'm interested uh, of the people that you've seen, uh, well, especially in the state of Florida right now, who are one or two people that you're that you're looking at and you're going, this person's going to be a big name soon? I don't think one or two would do it. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think I'll be, because then I'll get an inbox of people saying, oh my God, Eddie, why don't you put me over? Uh, <laughs> so, That's true. Kind of I, I, um, I like, I, I won't say, I think that there's plenty of guys out there with a lot of talent. Young guys right now, I want to say, um, I'm a big fan of, uh, and I'm going to put him over, is uh, Anthony Santa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a fan of him for these reasons, and I just real quickly. Um, he's young. He has all the tools as a young, young green guy that kind of want to push you forward. He's humble. He's hungry. He's ambitious. He's uh, uh, has uh, untapped talent. 
and he has the ability to kind of be reactive with the crowd, which is very, and he's a natural athlete. I'm not saying that you have to be a natural athlete to be in this business, but it's, it's, a, it's a help. You know, to me, sometimes it helps kind of like work the, the kinks out. Uh, and as an individual, as a man, uh, I respect him. So he has a lot of things that work for, for you know, as for me, it works for me. But as far as someone who's really green or someone that's really like one year, one year in or so, um, there's just an abundance amount of talent that are, I feel should be out there. Uh, Troy Hollywood, uh, you know, Hunter Law, Super Strikes, I mean, Omar, you know, Omar Amir, Chance Chance. I mean, I, I could go all day. There's just so many guys I honestly pay attention to. I watch footage. I even, I watch their matches I'm not even part of because I like to see them grow. I like to see them get better. I like to see growth. So. Now, Eddie, let me ask you something. And this is something that, um, Christian Override, who does commentary for ACW, has brought up to me a couple of times. So there's always that adage, and, and and I'm very interested to hear your perspective on this from being in that like kind of last of the really hard sort of late 90s, early 2000s kind of training into, like you said, which wrestling now is a lot more accessible to a lot of different people in terms of training. So out of training, there's that old adage of like, nobody's going to get you over but yourself. And so one of Christian's big points is like, it seems like in some locker rooms or especially with younger talent that it's so focused on just yourself in terms of like, I guess, getting better and things like that. But even if let's say Chad and I are both wrestling in separate matches and I come up with something that's super genius that I can't do, but Chad may be able to do, it seems like there's not necessarily like an open discussion of like, I'm going to go give Chad this great idea because there's almost, it almost seems like there's a fear that, oh, what if Chad takes that idea and becomes a millionaire and I should have kept that for myself? Not saying that this is like an like painting with broad strokes or anything like that. Right. But it does seem like there's almost a hesitation from some wrestlers to want to kind of share ideas that may work for others. That it all seems to be very focused on like just focus on yourself. How do you get the most uh, respect and success for yourself? Do you see that at all? Is that something that has kind of carried throughout wrestling and – is there any way we can sort of break that? If that isn't even a problem, in your opinion? No, no, it is a problem. I think it's just uh, is a problem. I agree with you. There's times where I, I've seen, heard, or even you know viewed guys that use an idea or spoke an idea. We had a, 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 a like conversation, and then all of a sudden the idea would be trickled to somebody else, or uh, should have been trickled, like given to someone else, but it's like been internalized. Um, I think it's a it's something it's. <sighs> It's very shallow, you know, of, of a lot of young, of a lot of talent that, like, because it's like in their minds, like, oh my God, you know, they look, I think everyone clamors for that quick 15 minutes of fame, basically, on YouTube or social media, Facebook. Oh my God. They will, everybody wants to join Ryan's opportunity. They mm-hmm. want to be big pop. Oh my God, you know, they want something like that. And he's already, like, monopolized that gimmick, you know, they, everybody has to try something different. Or if it's just a persona. I. I like to believe that, and, and there's times where you have to keep an idea for yourself, like, okay, because you know it works, but you also have to kind of, and, my, my, and this is just for everyone else, uh, for young guys or anybody is like the take is some ideas ain't going to work for you. Like, I'm not going to go out there and become like, you know, I'm not going to look good dressed up like SciShow, you know, <laughs> or, you know, I'm not going to look good looking like, or acting like Saeed Al-Sabah, or I, that's not my thing. But I might see something from my experience over the years or something I call, even from watching a TV show, like, oh my God, that would be perfect for, you know, X or Y or Z. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 
Um, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll just go ahead. Zach, you've, you've heard me many times say that in the locker rooms before. You know what I mean? Like, this idea should go here. This uh, You should take this. And if they take it, I've seen certain people take certain ideas that I've given, and I'm not going to say any names because I think they're, I, whatever I gave them, if they made it, they made it their own. That's what I like to leave it with. It's kind of like a, like I said, pay for it. If I give this to you and you think you can run with this, take it. It's yours. You're welcome. No thank you needed. You know what I mean? And um, a lot of guys are just like, oh, well, I got to take this and I got to run with this idea. I have this game. I got this storyline. I have this. It may not work for you. You may not have the opportunity creative juices to kind of make it work. So, well, let's talk a little bit about somebody. Uh, we're going to segue a little bit here on somebody who definitely did take something recently that he probably shouldn't have. True. Uh, and that would be uh, Drennan, the current uh, Wrestling Nerds Radio Network Internet champion, uh, only uh-huh. mostly because he decided to take probably a little bit of a shortcut against you in – the Battle Royal was so, the last Punk Pro show. So as Chad is pointing out here, at the last Punk Pro show at the end of uh, 2018, uh, Punk Pro had a Battle Royal to crown a new internet champion. And uh, it seemed like Eddie had it in the bag and everyone was pretty thrilled about it. And then Drennan, who I guess got lost, Spinal Tap style, got lost right. on the way to the entrance, uh, showed up at the last moment and kind of snatched it at the end and kind of broke everybody's hearts there. And that was the first time that Eddie and Drennan had actually fought in a ring was earlier that night right. at Punk Pro. So first time meeting and then immediate betrayal. Um, and now you guys are going to meet up again one-on-one for the title this Saturday. Um, what goes through your mind this time around? Oh, I think Drennan is... Uh, I think Drennan needs to know that... Our first match was tough, uh, hard hitting. It was especially, it was just, you know, very much what I thought it would be. But the kind of role he wants to play with this, he wants to be backhanded, he wants to be dirty. So then he kind of assumed that I'm going to have to play the same role. Mm. I'm running this kind of looking at the things that he can just snatch things. He wants to be the internet t- television champion. He wants to be all okay. More power to him. Um, I think everyone knows I put myself over as it is. I'm the authority. It gets over. It doesn't. No matter. It's a straightforward point. Like a punch to the face. That's exactly what I'm looking to do to Drennan. Excellent. Well, speaking of first-time meetups, like we said at the uh, with you and Drennan, and not again, I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal here, but I got to play a part in putting together another first-time meetup last year, and that was Eddie versus John Davis. Oh, yeah. Which was first at ACW and then again at FIP. And I got to be there and experience both those matches. Um, and so, obviously, you both respect each other. That was kind of the, the big um, sort of message going into it, that they had both sort of, like, ran parallel to each other but never really crossed paths before. And so, Eddie, you've mentioned it before, the sheer number of chops that you took in both those matches combined would um, put down an elephant. But... Just talk to me a little bit about getting to finally meet John Davis and finally getting to wrestle him, you know, one-on-one and really kind of test your your skills against one another. Because, again, being there in both, there's not even – I can't be professional here. I was gushing about both those matches. They were incredible. Uh, They literally broke the ring in the first match. One of the boards was broken after their match. So it was about as hard-hitting as it can be. But just kind of walk us through that, that, you know – it was a long time coming, and, and we finally got to put it together last year, and it was, I think, two of the absolute best matches that Florida had. 
I think uh, it was important for me and John to face one on one. We've we've had known each other for many years. I think since we both since he started, since we both started around the same time, or roughly, we've like you said ran parallel. Um, I've uh, never got the opportunity to work on one on one, and I think the one thing that I probably stress the most is uh, being able to work out in this business that I've never had an opportunity to work that I feel are game changers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I think John Davis, his reputation precedes himself, you know, Dark City Fight Club, former NWA Tag Team Champion, uh, I mean, Dragon Gate, Evolve, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Zach Romero's dad's favorite wrestler. <laughs> I know. I mean, those are some pretty big accolades, so, to be fair. That's the biggest one. I, uh, but that being said, I, I knew that at our age, as we getting old, we've gotten older, I feel like we're hitting our, you know, we're hitting our prime. Uh, I've hit, however John wants to put it, I like to say that I'm hitting the prime pretty strong. And I wanted to test myself against him. I wanted an opportunity to work him. So when uh, the opportunity came across, you and I talked about it. It's like just one of those things where it never happened. And you have that shock look. And a lot of people did. So having an opportunity, it's, it's, it really did make a large impression in me on top of the fact of not only just not only just winning the FIP Heritage title, which to me was beyond a title. Not to say anything bad about FIP Heritage title. It was more about the fact that me and John, we, we grew up, we fought, we dealt with the, we were in the trenches together in the Florida wrestling scene for almost two decades, you know, and uh, we've seen it. So the fact that we could actually face off and, and collide, as you could say, twice, as much as my chest pays for it the most, <laughs> I, I want to say that I, I it was it was definitely something that I could really say that I was happy to have happen. But I still want one more. I still want one more. That's true. The trilogy I, needs to be completed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One more, exactly. <laughs> one more. Put it out there. I don't care if anyone hears it. I want one more with John Davis. That's all I need. Well, I'll do my best. I'll see what I can yeah, do. Sure John Davis will have no problem with him too. So, if you're good, I mean, Christmas is coming. That's um, right. So, well, you know, I tried. So, so uh, we here at the IndyCast. Uh, well, hold it. No, oh, I have one on. very particular. Oh, that's one true. How could I forget? How dare you? Because yes. this is a very important one to me. Here, here's my Christmas. So we have one question that we, we lovingly refer to as the Trevin Adams Memorial question. Uh, by the way, hi, Trevi. Um, so uh, it's late at night. But here's your, your picture of this one here. It's late at night. Uh, Eddie, you've uh, just had a big you ju- match against. You just got your keys out of your muffler. That's right. You're, you're driving home. It's <laughs> after midnight. Um, you're, you've got a little rumbly in your tumbly. Uh, you come over a hill. There's a shining beacon uh, there for you. And you're looking to get something to eat, and you cannot wait. Is that shining beacon that you see where you're finally going to get to fill your cravings, is that a sheet, or is that a Wawa? It's a Wawa. Yeah, a boy. Yeah, it's a Wawa. It's always the Wawas. I was afraid of that. So. That's, that's why he's a good one. He's a keeper. So, so. Gosh darn it. Okay. We have uh, two very important questions that we have to ask every single guest on the show, and so Eddie, um, these are maybe not as uh, as impertinent as Stallone's greatest performance, but pretty they they come with they're, some. Uh, they're pretty darn important. Yeah, I'll say they're they're pretty heavy hitters. As great as the performance art that professional wrestling is, it is a very hard life, as you've pointed out in your training and whatnot. 
So we lose a lot of talent early. So that being yeah. said, Eddie, if you could work with anybody from the wrestling world who is no longer alive, who would it be and why? Anybody in the world and why? I think... I want to say Kurt Henning. Excellent. Very nice. Excellent. Okay. Let's explore that a little bit. Um, I think because Kurt, to me, um, in so many ways, because I could have said Eddie Guerrero, I could have said that, but I say Kurt struck to me the, the most because he, I don't know, he had it all in my mind. Like, he was just someone that was the ultimate entertainer, but he knew he was a true blue professional wrestler. Like, he was mm-hmm. someone that could do it all, done it all. Um, his psychology was amazing. I mean, just the other, you funny you brought that up, I just rewatched him versus uh, Bret Hart at the uh, King of the Ring. Excellent. And this, I think that just his, and he wasn't someone that had like the best looking gear. He wasn't, the, you know, but he's just his personality and just his psychology, his mind, his physique. He wasn't the most chiseled, but he was a professional. You knew he was a professional wrestler. Um, I felt like someone like myself, um, could have mixed very well with him. I agree with so. that. Definitely. So I'll have to do that in the video game simulation now. i got to put that together now. There you go. Uh, so second question. <laughs> we here at the Indicast believe that every animal in nature is given certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. For instance, giraffes have long necks, rhinos the big horns, etc., etc., our belief is that human beings as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, with that being said, the authority, Eddie Torres, if you could fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon do you use? Fight any animal? And okay. What, and what weapon? What weapon? <laughs> um, I would want to fight... Hmm. Uh, I think I would say uh, I want to come with. I think I maybe a polar bear. Excellent. I think a polar bear. Um, and any weapon. Okay. Am I try? Am I going to be like? I just, I'm trying to be fair to like all the wild, like the wildlife lovers out there. But <laughs> I think. Uh, I like a medieval axe would be pretty cool. Nice. That is a scene that I want painted on the side of a van. That's <laughs> majestic. I don't know why. I, I love that. Kind of, I don't know, my mind just blew up. Like, oh, wow. Why, why have I really had an axe? I just came coming at him. In my gear and everything. There you go. <laughs> yeah, of course. The New, the New Jersey barbarian just coming in. And <laughs> oh, my God. There we go. That's going to be a new moniker. By the way, New Jersey Barbarian, you better add that to his card for Punk Pro on Saturday. I'll see what we can do. I'll see what we can do. uh, Eddie, this is the uh, time in our episode that uh, one Mr. Brian Cage has officially given us permission to call. Get your shit in. It's your opportunity to let let everybody know where they can find you on social media, where they can buy your merchandise, etc., etc. Sir, the floor is yours. Right. Well, uh, you can check me out on Facebook, uh, The Authority Eddie Torres. Um, I'm also on Twitter as Eddie Torres underscore Torres, Eddie underscore Torres. Uh, Instagram, the same. Um, YouTube, the same thing, The Eddie Torres as well. Very simple, thank God. Um, 
I've been seeing it. It's a couple of shows coming. I got a double shot this weekend. Uh, I got GCW this Saturday in Tampa, Florida at the uh, Chocolate Festival and the Carroll Cultural Center. Center, and then of course going to be out going for that title against Drennan at Punk Pro um, this uh, Saturday night at the All Sports. Uh, All Sports, look at me. Excuse me, Golf View Event Center. Damn right. And um, besides that. Check me out. I'm the authority. I appreciate you guys very much for having me on. No, no problem. Yeah, Thanks for being a good sport. And he will have uh, some new T-shirts that will be available at Pump Pro. This is why we're friends, Zach. And, uh, uh, so, so those will be available for the first time. And Zach Romero, who, who made those wonderful T-shirts? Uh, fully Gimmick. Uh, actually, put those together. Fully gimmick. Much love to Fully Gimmick, hey, IndyCast, Chad Allen. I love all you guys, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. No problem, man. Well, thank anyone. you so much for, for joining us on the show here and, and being again being such a good sport. And thanks to James Legend for the insight. <laughs> That's right. Uh, as our as our secret confidant. He's going to love this one later. Yes. Uh, and as always, to all of our dozens and dozens, we thank you once again for listening uh, to the IndyCast. Until next time, everybody, I am, as always, Chad Allen. I am Zach Romero. And as we always say, everybody, deuces. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Greetings, everybody. Chad Allen here from the IndyCast. Uh, well, I guess, obviously, they're listening to the show. Uh, here to talk to you about Phil Singer Games. Uh, I know you've probably heard us talk about it uh, before if you're a listener of the episode, but if you're not, Phil Singer Games for over 30 years has been the top wrestling card and dice role-playing style game that's on the market right now. An absolute blast to play uh, if you play the Champions of the Galaxy version, where you can pretend to be one of the many stars from the future and battle them out to legends of uh, today from here on Earth with guys like Andre the Giant and the Road Warriors or to the most recent independent up-and-comers. You can play any single one of them or you can even play them against each other. It gives you the chance to have those dream matches you never thought you wanted to see until right this moment. And you can find out all about it on philsingergames.com. There are hundreds of wrestlers to choose from. Tell them the IndyCast sent you. Go to philsingergames.com. Just shove it in my face. I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty ass Meryl Street. We Did are. You? We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners you. professionally. What I am is a big, queer, stone cold Steve Austin. Mom, save vagina.